Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our very special guest, Anna Conathan. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about how mothers face guilt and shame and can ultimately feel unhappy and then how to overcome that. So I want to tell you a little bit about Anna. Anna is the co-founder and senior partner and chief creative officer at LUMO. That's L-U-M-O. She's a coach and a storyteller who believes that finding and using your authentic voice is the catalyst that changes the game for women all over the globe. And I could not agree more. Um, And what's so wonderful about Anna is that as a leader, she helps her clients and team find their own unique voices and use them with passion, purpose, and lusciousness. Oh my goodness, that sounds delightful. (laughs) Anna, welcome, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Lynn. I'm so happy to be here. Well, this is going to be really a wonderful conversation, and I think it's so important for so many members of our audience to be tuning in. And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, please uh, take this moment right now and hit subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. You will be able to listen to Claim Your Career Crown moving forward, and you won't miss a single wonderful episode. And if you do absolutely love the show, please leave us that five-star review. We would be very grateful. All right, Anna, let's sort of get started. And, um, you know, would you share about how you found your way um, with your partner Mm -hmm. uh, to creating Lumo? Of course, absolutely. Well, I um, I picked Sarah Olin up in a bar in 2004 in Rhode Island. (laughs) So it's a story I love to tell because... um, She's the only person I've ever picked up in a bar and it wasn't a romantic arrangement. It was, uh, it was just, I saw her, my husband was in grad school at the university of Rhode Island and she was working at a, at a bar in, in the town that, that we were in school at. And, um, I walked into this bar and I'd been working for Disney animation. My previous life was as an actress and a stand-up and a screenwriter. And I'd, I'd worked for Disney animation for a year in LA. And then I had left and, and moved to this tiny town in Rhode Island where I'm not from and nobody in the entire state thought I was funny. Uh, it was a really hard time for me. And I walked into this bar and there's this woman behind the bar and she is like, she's cool. She's delightful. She's pretty, but she's not like an LA bartender. There's not an intensity or an importance. There's just this magnetism and everybody in the bar knew her and she knew everybody. And she just had this incredible magnetic quality. And I turned to my husband and I said, that's my new best friend. And he was like, okie dokie, which wasn't at all a weird thing for me to <laughs> proclaim. And I went and introduced myself to her and we, we became very fast friends. And, you know, much later when I was in my coach training, um, I read a book called um, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by this woman named Debbie Ford. And she talks about how we're prisms and reflections of each other. And it's also something that I studied a little bit in acting too, that the thing that attracts you to someone is actually something that exists inside of you. It's a reflection of yourself. And the thing that makes you want to choke, kill, punch, or drive over someone is also you. It's so painful, but it's true. Like whatever they're they're reflecting to you is the part of yourself that you don't like. So when I saw Sarah, I was like, yes, please. So we became good friends and um, sort of went separate ways and you know, stayed in contact, but she started coaching. 
she started coaching right after she became a mom or really while she was becoming a mom. And she moved and had a baby and started a coaching business and was in coach training and she was killing it. She's this new mom, killing it. And my son at this point is about three or four and I'm drowning. I've lost my screenwriting career because I had such horrible, I had a C-section and then I had double breast infections that required surgery from breastfeeding. Then I had postpartum depression and on and on and on. And I was drowning and I thought there was something wrong with me. I was comparing myself to other mothers. At this point, we had moved to Capitol Hill on Washington, D.C. And there are a lot of wonderful people that work on the Hill, but primarily they're a pretty intense type A introverted bunch. And I was an emotional introvert falling apart (laughs) on Capitol Hill. And um, I had a really hard time connecting with other moms. They all looked like they had it together. I didn't have the wherewithal to realize that that was a storefront and not the stock room of what was happening. And I thought that maybe there'd be a red tent, you know, because I'd read Anita Diamant's book of the red tent. I thought that the elder women would come and enfold me and teach me how to mother and it would be rich and beautiful and feminine. And it wasn't. It sucked. Uh, and then other people were like, I love being a mom. I'm like, I don't like it. It's really hard. <laughs> so uh, at one point, I just I called Sarah and I was like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you doing this so well? And she and I just started um, talking about where I was at and she was, you know, she coached me. She was like, you know, can I coach you? Is it okay? Cause she, I'm her friend. And then I started going to retreats that she was having with her new business and her first business um, out of coach training was an organization called luscious mother, which was designed to support moms in creating the life that they wanted and showing their kids how to live the life they want so that their kids can grow up and live the life they want. And it's really about, empowerment, responsibility, getting back into the driver's seat of your own life. And it was amazing. And so I I started going to the retreats and then I became her company writer and started working with other moms. And then she's like, I want to go bigger. Like one woman can only do so much. I want you to be my partner. Let's make this bigger. Let's help more moms, more moms, more moms. And this was all leading up to, you know, 2019. And so in 2019, I spent a year doing an intense coach training program because that was a condition condition of satisfaction for Sarah and I's partnership. And I worked so hard all year going back and forth from Maine to New York and doing this really intense program. And I was like, well, thank God. After January of 2020, I'll be able to relax and really figure out like, what have I learned? Who am I? How do we want to build this company? And then the pandemic happened and mothers were absolutely crushed by the pandemic. And we were like, let's launch the business large now and support moms. So for the first year of the pandemic, we were very much ensconced in luscious mother and supporting moms and coaching. We were doing free community calls. We were having webinars and that kind of thing. And as the the pandemic wore on and more information was revealed about how our system doesn't work for parents and for moms, um, we realized that we were asking moms to save themselves while they were drowning. And that the best place for us to meet motherhood and parenthood and create a transition, a a cultural shift was to go to companies and start working with companies to figure out how to help them support parents at any phase of parenthood, but also particularly in that threshold of being an, an employee and then becoming a working parent. What could we create to support that and have the companies pay for it and see their own 
value and investment in it for retention, for saving money, uh, for attracting new talent. And so we created Lumo, which, you know, is our business arm and, and where we're putting most of our focus right now. Also because Luscious makes men in suits very uncomfortable. Um, and so we started, we developed the Expecting Moms online program, which is a 10 month, uh, you, you know, like leave program that you start right when you tell HR that you're going to be going on, on parental leave. And it supports you all the way 10 months through to returning to work. And it's sort of an undercover leadership program. It's really leadership training, but it's, it's how do you take that transition and, and turn it towards your favor and prepare yourself in a way, not just at work, but also at home. So childcare, important conversations. Um, it, it's, it's all sorts of things. And so the first iteration was expecting moms because we were so aligned and affiliated with mothers. But then um, we're like, we need this for everybody because the dads have to get involved. And also parents, what who parents are, what parents look like, what families look like, have, how having a baby or bringing a child into your life. Like it's so many things. It's adoption. It's surrogacy. It's it's, um, you know, same sex marriage. It's it's parenting alone. It's all kinds of things. And so we created a new version of the program, which we will be done with at the end of next week. And it'll be up and online and ready to go. So that was a lot. But it's been a crazy couple of years, Lynn. <laughs> it certainly has been a crazy couple of years. And uh, kudos for seeing that, you know, that huge gap that existed um, and how many, uh, you know, because at the same time, I also experienced that with women who their whole world was turned upside down. Um, and uh, of course, for men and women and for the kids, um, but women still, you know, we just have that role where we're often wearing way too many hats and we do for other people before we do for ourselves. Yeah. And um, so um, that is absolutely so critical. And I think that sort of brings us to, you know, for women out there, for the moms, uh, when do, you know, they recognize or, or even get this inkling that they are truly unhappy with their life? Well, I imagine right now um, a lot of people are so head down in the trenches that, that, that maybe they don't even have time to have that luxury of considering like, am I happy? Um, when I was a new mom, I used to have this really uh, poorly thought through fantasy wherein I would get on a Greyhound bus to anywhere and just ride away. <laughs> and I'm like, but then what happens? <laughs> um, and obviously that wasn't, that wasn't the thing that helped me shift my life. Um, I think that burnout is a very real thing. I think realizing, I mean, whether you're consciously aware of your unhappiness, like, are you tired all the time? Are you, are you forever exhausted? Are you, you know, living the commitments that you had when you thought about who you wanted to be as a mom or who you wanted to be as a parent? Um, are you short with your kids? Are you, you know, being more instructional than you are being loving? Those are, those are my tropes. Like I'm not pointing fingers at anybody else, but when I'm saying no to my son a lot and telling him how to do everything, then I'm like, okay, wait, when was the last time I said yes to him? When was the last time I did something fun with him? When was the last time I just had an exchange with him that didn't involve me telling him to like put on deodorant and put your shit away? Am I allowed to swear on the show? Cause I just did live. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that would have been a question to ask earlier. But um, in terms of, of figuring out your happiness, like if you made a list, if you folded a piece of paper in half and had like a plus and a minus side, and even if you did this exercise over days, right? Um, what would end up in the plus column every day? What would end up in the minus column every day? And which which list is longer? 
And I think moms get, I think they get pulled into comparison right out of the gate. What I love about working with groups of women is it slays comparison. You know, you can look across the circle at the beginning and be like, she's got it figured out. She's a hot mess. I don't know what's going on with her. And then as the conversation unfolds and women become authentic and vulnerable, you realize that the one that looks like she has it together is, you know, crying, crying in the kitchen, as my mother-in-law calls it. Um, and the one that looks like a hot mess has actually got really happy kids and is actually enjoying her life because she's decided that there's some things that she's not going to cross her T's and dot her eyes on. And, and so I think comparison gets the way. How did your, how did your mom parent for good or bad? Do you want to be better than her? The same as her, you'll never live up to her. Uh, I think there's that not enough. If you're saying to yourself often, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. That's a key that you might be unhappy. Um, yeah. I think if you're envious of other mothers, I think envy is interesting because it can also be really useful. If, if you see other women parenting or working or doing things in their life that you're envious of, that's a message. That's a reflection too. That's somewhere you're not serving yourself. So like if she's got it going on because she's, she's training to do that triathlon you've always wanted to do, or this one just started a business and oh, I wish I could start a business. Those are indicators. Like what are the prevailing feelings that rule your day? do they empower you and make you feel good or do you feel sad? Do you feel like you're not where you wanted to be? Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And um, I think there's a couple other things that certainly for women, when we're in those stages, for me, uh, important lessons were learning when to say no with grace, Mm. you know, and actually stop trying to spread myself so thin, you know, butter on hot toast. And the second thing was asking for help. And um, because, you know, it's just this like super mom or do it all type, you know, (laughs) that culture is, first of all, it's garbage. So, you know, actually, you know, and directing people, you know, to provide you with help. And so, and that was something that I, I just sort of expected people to stand up and help. And it sort of finally came to this thing where, you know, you'd prepare this huge holiday meal and um, I was still getting everything, you know, putting everything out on the table and everyone at the table, the entire extended family started serving one another. And I was still bringing things and I was so enraged. I I actually, I just left the house. I just put the last thing on the table and I left. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, I was like, okay, you're not even going to wait until I can sit down as well. But part of it was I recognized that, um, you know, because my husband, my late husband talked to me about that. He's like, you know, you have to ask for help. We just, you know, you're so capable and you're so competent in all this stuff. We don't. And he says, that's on me. I should have asked. And, and, you know, after that, but I did, I started to ask for help. And it was that, but it was that it needed to come together and it sort of needed me to stop and by like taking that moment to walk away. Cause I was actually so angry. I couldn't have sat at the table without suddenly starting a food fighter, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a Thanksgiving that nobody forgot. Yeah. And and Um, I, you know, the cleanup, I, you know, it's not worth it. If you're going to do something like that, you, you go outside and you actually have, we've actually done something crazy. Like have a whipped cream fight with our daughter outside um sounds <laughs> silly but it's like you can throw whipped cream nobody's gonna get hurt but it's con- yeah. you know 
That sounds you can, like a good and, and do it in the summer. Okay. So you can hose each other, everybody down. But anyway, well, I, uh, I think, I think the things that are, that are, that are most important and they're actually really um, cornerstones in our, in our program is one, if your well-being is out of whack and well-being and self-care gets such a, a bad rap, like it's selfish or self-indulgent. And like, like, we're not talking about decadence. We're talking about like, are you sleeping? Are you eating food that is good for you? Are you hydrating yourself? Like, are you getting enough affection? Are you getting enough human connection? Like whatever it is for, for this one or that one, it's going to be different. But well-being, without it, you're just building everything on sand. If you're not taking responsibility for how you be in the world with your people and at work, um, then that's where resentment and comparison and envy and things start to get really sandy and gritty. And people aren't mind readers. Our, yeah. our partners, our children, our coworkers, they're not mind readers. So if you have expectations, there is a basket of laundry at the bottom of the stairs. Everybody in this house goes upstairs. They walk by a basket of laundry. Where the hell do you think I wanted to go if I put it by the stairs? <laughs> well, I mean, first you're supposing that people in your house are paying attention and care or think that they are in any way responsible for the laundry. Like that culture is developed by the family. Those behaviors are developed by the family. If you clearly state it, if there are agreements, and I think the kids are so much easier to make in agreements with and enrollment with them like my, my spouse is great he's he's i think i'm the husband in our house like when, when my friends talk about their husband who's like spaces out I, I have adhd i'm a little wifty you know he's the one who does most of the laundry and he cooks um so i'm like i think i'm the lazy husband but you know i hear all these people talk about their families and stuff i'm like well have you ever in, tried to like have family dinner night on wednesday night where you plan the weekend events you plan um you know uh what you're going to eat for meals. Um, if anyone has anything important to bring, if you train your kids when they're two, three, four, it's like my parents used to drag us to Catholic mass every Sunday. That is not a fun place to be when you're two years old, but you can bet I got real used to it fast. Right? If you create this cultural shift, you enroll your kids. My son is the most reliable accountability partner. Once I make an agreement with him, he's in. He's 14, so he's still on the kid's side of teen. So we'll see how that goes. And I just, he's so reliable because he has a steel trap of a memory. And if I enroll him in something and make him part of it, if I give him something to police me on, like, hey, I would like you to remind me that I have to do PT every day. Could you be my accountability buddy on that? You bet I'm going to do my PT. If I ask my husband, eh. So <laughs> radical responsibility, creating agreements with your family, taking stock of your well-being and and daring to 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 claim that space with boundaries. And like you said, no, practice saying no, no, it's a full sentence. Or like, let me think about that. It's not gonna be possible. Like, you know, do mirror work with that. What are five to 10 different lovely ways you can say no? If you use different pitch and tone, you can disorient and confuse people. And it's after you've walked away that they realize she just said no to me. My boundaries have changed enormously in the pandemic. I'm a huge extrovert, or at least that's how everybody perceives me. But in the pandemic, I was like, oh, no, I'm fairly introverted and there's got to be a balance. So when I go out now and socialize, I need two days to just be back into my into my boundary zone. And my husband's like, you've changed. I'm like, no, I haven't changed. My boundaries have changed. Yeah. So yeah. that's not an easy feat. But boundaries, well-being, radical responsibility 
and, and making agreements. Clear, clear is kind, as Brene Brown says. Clear communication is kind communication. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I want to pick up on something that you sort of brought up and sort of going back into that, because I think that that's one of these areas that people can really um, get hung up on. And uh, especially if you're if you are active at all on social media and you had said like the storefront, storefront. versus the, 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 the storage area. And that's also wrapped around, um, you know, also societal ex expectations around the role of mothers. But that idea of comparison and, you know, sort of like, you know, like, oh, well, all the neighbors, you know, they're doing all the fancy lights and I got to get our lights up. Um, that that almost becomes like this. This this I don't know, this just morass of ugliness <laughs> when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses type of thing. But how does comparison play into uh, for especially for women or for moms, um, their unhappiness and how do other aspects of intersectionality uh, play into those comparisons? Well, I think, like I said, with envy, I think there's something inside of comparison that speaks to a missing piece for yourself, for the person who's who's doing the comparing. And um, with a lot of my clients, I'll often say, like, eyes on your own bowl. Don't be looking at other people's dishes. Like, what do you want in your dish? What's missing from your dish? Because we're all going to get fed. Like, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, that energy moves pretty freely. And, and sometimes if it's not moving, we're the ones stopping it, even though it, um, it can be confronting for some people. I think that if, if we have open hearts and open minds and and then have those feelings, you feel those feelings, let them come up and and even in a way like hold them, hug them, ask them what they need. If if that emotion or feeling were a four year old child having a hard time, you'd have so much compassion for that for that child, um, you know, unless you'd been in quarantine with them for two weeks. Um, but what what is that want really underneath how you feel about Linda's front? you know, porch lights or, you know, how good that one looks in the bathing suit or how amazing that one's career is, or this one just got a book published, like that longing, that, that frustration, that anger or hurt or fear or sadness that lives inside of it is representing something that's missing for you that you're not putting in your own bowl or, or getting supported or in partnership or, you know, in the right career, whatever it is, maybe you're not, maybe you and your partner haven't, you know, had a physical relationship or a emotional relationship, like whatever it is, learn from the, from the feeling of it instead of smiting it out or pushing it away because um, whatever you can't be with won't let you be. So it's not, right. it's not going to go away. <laughs> so how can you meet it as a messenger? Um, we talk a lot about the itty bitty shitty committee and they're like our survival mechanism that really wants to keep us safe, that is scared for us. And, oh, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Or don't put yourself out there. You might be rejected. It's inconvenient to have that, but it's also part of our survival instincts. And those characters, uh, the members of the Itty Bitty Shitty Committee, who can represent people from your childhood, your parents, teachers, um, um, a mean ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, but there's something that you've held on to in your survival mechanism in, in the back of your brain um, that wants you to be safe and doesn't want you to be hurt again. And 
again, so how can you be, I try to imagine myself, I have this picture I keep on my desk. This is me when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And when everybody called me Anna Banana. Um, and I try to imagine when the itty bitty shitty committee grows comes up that, that I, the person that I'm supporting, the version of myself that I'm loving, that I'm communicating with is this little girl. How, what would I say to 10 year old Anna Banana? If she's like, nobody likes me or I'm not doing enough. But I also feel my big thing is, um, I'm too much, but I'm also not enough. That's a really fun game to play, you know? So what would I say to her? How would I help her through that? How would I give her advice? And getting out of our head, I call it like the, the home office and getting into our heart. Like, what does your heart and gut say before you take the elevator up to the home office and make it mean something about you? Like, I'm a bad person. I can't believe I thought that about my friend. What's the hurt? What's the feeling? And how can you be with it? Because until you can be with it, it won't let you be. I don't even know if yeah. I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it really does boil down to, you know, that growth mindset work. And mm -hmm. um, it, it it's a long journey. Uh, <laughs> anybody who thinks that it, they're just going to say, oh, I'm going to make this change and wake up tomorrow and it be forever changed. Um, that's not the case. And I do also think that um, so many of the things that we do have, um, you know, whatever's uh, fears are limiting beliefs, things that are holding us back, they often do have roots in childhood. I mean, that is very common. Uh, in fact, it's probably more common than anyone would imagine. And so you have to sort of get to that plane and try to identify, keep identifying why are you feeling that way? What's really underlying that? And those feelings, they're real. And um, they need to be, um, sometimes it's sort of painful work to, to really look at them yeah. and to feel I, again and to experience that so that you can then sort of find that, okay, that that's really what was happening. And that's sort of why I felt that way. Mm -hmm. And, and how sometimes, you know, those perceptions, um, you know, that from, you know, it's like, now you can start to look at the perception from outside, you know, and, and relook at it from a different, um, paradigm. And, you know, we can also then say, how have I been projecting this? And yeah, you can feel your feelings. You, you also have to be responsible for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things is that we all have this opportunity, um, that there is a choice that we get to make and we make them every day. Um, but, and sometimes it doesn't, it, the choice may not be obvious, but we can choose to look at those things and sort of dig deeper so that we can move ourselves forward or find those people who can help us move forward. Um, yeah. So that, that opportunity is actually always there and there's always a choice to make a new decision and yeah. to uh, follow a new path. So I think let's sort of wrap up with a final question about, you know, what are the first steps that a mom who's, unhappy and she just feels like things can't change um what should she do um what's that first step so that she can start to feel like she can move forward or move past this gotcha well i would say one is recognizing that your feelings are not who you are um i like to think of feelings as weather it, it can be very real. 
um, very potent, uh, very, you know, it could be a blizzard, it could be a nasty rainstorm, but it will pass. It will pass. It's weather and, and a signal, a message, but it's not who you are. I would consider doing the plus minus checklist for a couple of days before bed um, just to see how's it going. And is there a theme that emerges? Like maybe it's communication with your partner. Maybe you're not being the parent that you want to be. Maybe you're having um, some stickiness with a partnership at work. Whatever it is, if you keep like a, a, a nighttime journal, just plus and minus, think of everything that sucks. Think of everything that was good or awesome. <laughs> dump it. And then that's also going to help you sleep. If you're not sleeping, that that's that can mess a person up. Um yeah. And then find someone you trust. It, it may be that 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 you have um, benefits through your health insurance and you can see a therapist. It may be that it's just a really trusted friend, someone that you haven't connected with in a long time, someone who really knows and loves the authentic you, who knows you in your greatness. And when you can't see yourself in your greatness, how are you ever going to get out of that trench, right? So reconnect with someone who sees you and can say, oh, you forgot who you are. I will remind you. I will hold your hand. I will be your tether on this planet uh, until you feel settled and more confident in who you are. And I think that it can't be understated that mothers can very easily lose their identity in parenthood yeah. and in motherhood. And, and then your whole identity becomes about serving other people. And this may be a real challenge for some people, but noticing what empowers you and what drains you. Time is one thing, but energy is another. Energy is really our most powerful resource. So what gives you energy and what drains your energy? And how can you add 1%, 2% more things that energize you and 1% to 2 less percent of the things that are draining you? Even just yeah. noticing that stuff is a great practice um, and it'll help you decide. The patterns, you're talking about patterns of behavior and stuff. The nice thing about a pattern, this is something Sarah told me when I was in the mud. I was in the mud for the first five years of my son's life. Talk about beating myself up. But she said to me, we all have patterns in our relationships, in our lives, everywhere. But the great thing about a pattern is once you know what it looks like, you can decide where to break out of it. You can pick little exit ramps for yourself. You could say, do I want to keep doing the tango or am I busting out of here and doing you know, the electric slide over here away from this crazy thing that I've been doing for my whole life? And it's a practice. But um, yeah, those are the big ones. And, you know, love yourself. We are in an unprecedented, 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 crazy time. No one in our lifetime in this generation has lived through anything this global and bizarre. And don't expect 2019 results from yourself during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh it, it this is this is absolutely a monumental shift and change and um and you know we're still going through that and i think also that you always have to look that um at sometimes when things seem dark there's there still are shadows and there still are glimmers of light or of a you know of adaption and um so that's uh important piece as well you know Indeed. as uh, as moms out there and uh so anna thank you so much for sharing how mothers can get past the comparisons and regain happiness um this was such a lovely wonderful empowering conversation i know that our listeners are going to want to know more about you and where they can find out more about you 
Um, our website is lumoleadership.com. Um, we also have our, our sister site, lusciousmother.com. Our online programs for parents and mothers is located at Lumo Leadership, and we will be uh, rolling out the mom program later in the month of March, and the parents program will be rolling out not long thereafter. So follow us on social, Lumo Leadership at Instagram and Lumo Leadership at Facebook and also on LinkedIn. All right. That's wonderful, wonderful. And we'll be sure to include all the links down below so that um, Anna is just one click away. And I want (laughs) to... Thank everyone who tuned in for this really wonderful, wonderful discussion. And if you have any ideas that you'd like to share, you can leave us a comment down below. We do love hearing your thoughts. You can also email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com if you have a specific question or would like to suggest a topic for discussion. And of course, to stay current on all of our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages and incredible episodes like the one today, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. And once again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in. And Anna, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful, wonderful discussion today. Thank you, Lynn. It was great. I really enjoyed it.